Well, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Philemon, uh, the last book just before Hebrews. And our subject today is forgiveness. Most of us have had offenses committed against us over the years. Um, we've tried to forgive, I'm sure, but sometimes there's still a lingering resentment or a uh, awkwardness. And these can hinder our prayers and our Christian witness significantly. So as we attempt to um, make our prayer life more effective with boldness and compassion, we also need to reduce and eliminate the hindrances in our prayers. And unforgiveness is certainly one of those. We know we are commanded to forgive. The Lord Jesus himself told us this in the Lord's Prayer. And then right after, in Matthew 6.15, he says this, If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So forgiveness is important. But how do we forgive? How do we forgive so that there's no lingering resentment toward the offender? In Philemon, God has given us a pattern that shows us how to do this biblical forgiveness. And it's not by way of command or principles. It's by a real-life living example of forgiveness. So we have this in verse 1. Please read with me there. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. So Paul is writing to Philemon, a beloved believer in Colossae, whom Paul had led to Christ some years earlier. And most of you know the backstory. Paul is a prisoner now in Rome under house arrest, awaiting his trial. Philemon is prosperous. The Colossian church meets at his house. And he's a slave owner. He, uh, in fact, owns Onesimus. But Onesimus steals from Philemon and runs away to Rome. And by God's providence and grace, there he comes across the Apostle Paul and sits under his teaching, and the Lord converts his soul. And he begins to serve Paul there. And Paul is quite content with this. He, he could have kept Onesimus with him. He appreciates the service. But he knew that forgiveness is vital for both the offender and the one offended. So Paul writes this letter asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus, and he sends Tychicus to Colossae to deliver it. And amazingly, Paul sends Onesimus with Tychicus, so that as, as Philemon receives them at his home, probably, they are both standing there before Philemon, this runaway slave. More than likely, all the hurt and grief that Onesimus had had toward Philemon is flushing back, I'm sorry, toward um, all the grief that Onesimus has caused Philemon is flushing back over uh, Philemon as he begins to read. So what does Philemon read? And let's look ahead now to verse 10 to 12. 
I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. And bowels here simply denotes uh, the inner heart of love. Paul loves Onesimus as much as he does Philemon. So Philemon is to receive Onesimus. In other words, he is to forgive him. But how? We know that when God forgives, he casts our sins behind his back. He casts our sins into the sea, never to be reckoned with again. And of course, this is in terms of never using our sins against us in judgment again, in that they've all been paid for for believers at the cross. But we try to do the same when we forgive. We, we, we end up sort of stuffing the offense away in the back of our minds or pretending it didn't happen trying not to think about it. But this is far from biblical forgiveness. So here, in fact, is this pattern for all of us to follow in verses 18 and also in 17. Let's look at verse 18. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. Now, this wrong was a significant amount. A slave was worth two years wages of a day laborer. Maybe in our modern economies, that might be $40,000 or so in today's money. Paul tells Philemon to put that debt that Onesimus owes onto Paul himself. It is an accounting transaction to transfer a debt from one person onto the account of another. So the debt is transferred from Onesimus to Paul in Philemon's mind. But that is not all. There's two parts to forgiveness. And we have the rest in verse 17. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. Paul tells Philemon to receive Onesimus as he would receive the apostle Paul. Now, this is amazing because, as we said years earlier, Paul had led Philemon to Christ. Philemon loves Paul with an eternal gratitude. And Paul's just asked Philemon to receive Onesimus that way. So the love, the good standing with which Philemon views Paul, Philemon's now to treat Onesimus in the same way. He's to put Paul's righteous standing onto Onesimus's account. So, brethren, I trust you see it by now. This pattern for forgiveness is nothing short of the gospel itself. We have it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God has made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. In our example, Paul is in the role of Christ. He takes on a debt that wasn't his, and he imputes a righteous standing to the other that they don't really deserve. Onesimus is the guilty offender who needs to be forgiven. 
Philemon is the one offended who needs to forgive. So this is the great exchange of the gospel. Our sins upon Christ, his righteousness upon us. And it's the biblical forgiveness of an offending believer. We see his offense against us as completely paid for at the cross of Christ. There's no additional exacting of vengeance that we need to do. And we can love him the same way that Christ loves him. Because Christ clothed him in his own righteousness at his conversion. So we should know, brethren, that this is the pattern for how to forgive a believing offender. And the Lord knows we need this in our churches. But there are other cases where there's no repentance or where the offender is not a believer. But we'll leave that for another time so that we can get to prayer.